Good morning, Eastside family. We want to encourage our children ages two through first grade to make their way in that direction of junior worship. And if you are new here and you have kids in that age range, just kind of follow the parents back in that direction. There's some wonderful people who are going to help share Jesus to your kids while we have our time in here. As they're going, take your Bibles and turn to the book of Joshua, we're going to begin in chapter 13, Joshua 13, and as you're turning in your Bibles to the book of Joshua, I want to remind you of a very important, very important, um, I just got distracted by seeing Peggy Jones here. Hey, so glad you're here. Come back on November 19th, and you'll get to hear Peggy share a part of her story. Um, Okay, so where was I? We're talking about the offering. That's a really important part of the worship assembly. Uh, you can, we make it possible for you to offer to God your, your uh, offering, your wor- offering of worship through mail and a check to the church address. You can give an automatic draft to your bank. That just happens automatically. You can go online to our website. There's a box that says give. Click on that. Or if you're here in person, find the box on your way out and... Um, you can make your contribution there. If you're not here in person, I say this every Sunday, and it's not just a vain repetition. We are honored and humbled to have you here this morning as a part of our fellowship. Now, I don't want to encourage you to read text messages during church, but the preacher gets to do that. I received this text message this morning from Matt Johns, the director of our amazing school that is here. He said, Eddie, good morning. I'm not sure if it's appropriate, and it is, but if it's okay, and you remember. I don't know why he said, if you would remember. Of course I would remember. Um, could you think, could you think the many kind folks from Eastside who came and supported PPCS at the auction last night for me. Their presence was such an encouragement and reminder of our joint work of sharing Jesus. So from Matt, from the school, ministry of this church, thank you so much. And we so appreciate um, our church members who are board members there and sacrificially give of their time in serving that incredible ministry. So I'm going to do like any good church member would do. I'm going to turn my phone off now. Now Stephen did a really good job with this. So this is not me saying, y'all didn't know what he was saying. So let me say it again. This is just, I learned three good keys of leadership. Communicate, communicate, communicate. So Alan prayed for it. Stephen mentioned it. But some of you guys were not here last week because it was pretty heavy snow. So I want to remind you of our upcoming Harvest Sunday. Going to be in two weeks on November 19th. We're going to celebrate God. We're going to celebrate thanksgiving. We're going to have testimonies of thanks to God. We're going to bring our thank offerings to God. It's a very biblical precedent we see here of this. God, it's been such an incredible year, ups and downs, but you've been faithful. Here's an offering I bring in, in two different ways. We're going to encourage you to bring a food offering, a grocery bag that has a Thanksgiving meal for a family. We have 50 families that, through our partnership with Mercy's Gate, they're going to be coming here that afternoon. One of our life groups is going to meet them, pray with them, and give them a bag of groceries that you bring. We need 50 bags. We need a gift card inside that bag that would buy a turkey. Now, so you weren't here last week to pick up your bags, and we encourage your body to get one bag each because we want more people to participate some of y'all so generous you get 15 bags and so the bags are right back Glenda stay where you are and y'all just look at Glenda Glenda wave your hands she's going to demonstrate the bags there she is pick one up on your way out (laughs) pick one up all right now 
if you get one, you're promising to bring one because what would it be? We got 50 people coming, we're giving out 50 bags and only 48 are returned. And so I'm going to have to tell two people, we had two people that got bags and bring groceries. Sorry, no Thanksgiving dinner for you. We can't have that, right? All right, so, so get your bag on the way out. Then next Sunday, I'm not going to say one bag per family. I'm just going to say, we've got to get these taken care of. So take them and please consider that. And also, um, on the bags, last week it said November 1st, return them, which was uh, a few days ago. Instead, it's supposed to be on November 19th. We have a new junior assistant named Sammy working in the office. He is still learning his way, so we'll be patient with him. He cut the, we, let, we were letting Sammy, we weren't really, but anyway, uh, the, the nine got cut off of the one. The 19th, Two of you all obeyed the instructions that you got and you brought them on the first. Here's the thing though. Don't, put, don't go buy your bags of groceries today and get the fresh rolls for two weeks from now. Now here's your blessing for Thanksgiving, stale bread. Wait until the day before you bring it on that Saturday to get fresh rolls. Or one ingenious person went and got those beautiful uh, red lobster biscuits that you can buy a box of, put water in them, and you're good to go. They got cheese in them, so you can do that. So be prepared and get your bags today. But secondly, our harvest offering is also, it's, it's, we're going to be bringing a financial offering. So be praying about it and thinking about Giving a generous gift for a home for the holidays is Mercy's Gate's desire that no one who comes to Mercy's Gate in late November and December is turned away, that everyone receives rental or mortgage assistance. And it just happens. Every time I'm there, every week, people come there, hardworking people trying to make ends meet, but they're, they have eviction notices and they're about to be kicked out and there's just not enough money for everyone. Mercy's Gate said we don't want that to happen over the holidays. You can make a difference. So be thinking about the bag of groceries and be thinking about a, a harvest offering. We'll take our regular contribution and then we'll have a box for your harvest offerings. You cannot say you have not been told. Oh, also, if you write a check out for the harvest home for the holidays, and if you want to make Sarah's job really difficult, write it out to the East Side Church, all right? Now, if you want to make life easier for her, write it out to Mercy's Gate, okay? It's just natural, write it out to the East Side. Please don't do that. Make it easier for us, write it out to Mercy's Gate. Now, do we have time for a sermon? Joshua chapter 13. So we're, start, we're following the story of God's people. And if you're new to the Bible, we're talking about these people. They're called the Israelites. And so after, man, it's like hundreds of years, so long of being away from home, they finally come home. They've come back to the promised land. But there are these people that are there and they're not supposed to be there. And so Joshua is a battle of conquering. is a story of, of conquer and conquest. It's a, we've been slogging through a war story in Palestine of all places. Can you imagine? And stories of all of these battles. And so now it's come to an end. Not necessarily. There are going to be more battles to come because they, they weren't good at completing the work God. Most, most people aren't at God, that God had given to them. But right now the land has come to a rest. And so chapter 13 through 19 it's time for the Israelites to, to basically take their land. To, to take the land that God has given them, that God had promised them. 
they're going to, to uh, divide the land up and allot it to each, of the to each of the tribes. And they're going to receive what's called their inheritance. Okay, that's what it's called. This is the land that you get. This is your inheritance. And so this section reads from chapters 13 through 19. And we talked about it last week. You'll read through that and you're going, man, this is incredibly boring. Filled with all these incentives insignificant details but I love that about God what is significant to us is significant to him he says these people and where they live and their role in my big story hey these people matter to me and so that's why we're working through this story in the middle of this section there's a lot of really powerful life lessons that you notice if you take time to read through it or don't just speed read through it I'm going to share with you this morning one of those stories that is very personal to me. And I'm going to show you how, and it's supposed to be personal to, and relevant to you as well. So this is not just, this is all about me. This is, I learned this for me, God gives it to me, and so I'm just sharing with you from the overflow of what I've learned. Now, as you, as you would look, it's helpful to look at the map of this story at this point. You see on the map the division of, this is how it worked out, not the beige exterior areas but those colored areas there that's how the land was divided up among 12 tribes of Israel and the 12 tribes of Israel were named after the 12 sons of Israel and so if you have any knowledge of the 12 tribes of Israel and the names of the 12 sons of Israel you're going to look up there and you're going to go wait a minute there are two tribes named after two of the sons of Jacob that's Israel that are missing are there, is there anyone here 20 years old and younger who can tell me the names of those two tribes that are missing? I'm not saying who fantasize that they're 20 or younger, but those who really are. Okay? I'm going to be like the, the guy that was doing the... Uh, have we got one over here? We're, we're volunteering somebody. All right, Eddie, who is it? Joseph and Levi. You can get chocolate or gummy bears. Your choice. Huh? Gummy bears, are you ready? Y'all watch out because I'm going to pitch this thing like a, New York, like a New York Ranger, a Texas Ranger. Oh my goodness. There you go. Now give that to her. Joseph is missing. Okay, I got some more candy. Joseph is missing. Why? Joseph actually isn't missing. Who's 40 or younger who can tell me where Joseph is on that map? 40 years old. All right, let's go, John. He had what? Did he say he divided up among his two sons? What are their names? John, that's not good enough. Sorry. No, that is. Here we go. You ready? <laughs> Who are those two sons? Who are those two sons? Those sons are Ephraim and Manasseh. That's another story for another day. But Joseph was such an awesome son that his dad said, okay, we're going to divide your inheritance up into two. So you see Ephraim and Manasseh, they got land. But what I want to talk about this morning is Levi. The tribe of the Levites are, are not up there. And the question is, why not? So as you're reading through chapters 13 through 19, it's going to, these people got this land, these people got this land. And, and they're going to make this mention of this tribe called the Levites, the sons of Levi. And they're going to say basically the same thing again and again and again. When God repeats something again and again and again, maybe he's trying to say, I want you to hear this, right? Let me show you some of these repetitive references to the Levites. And then I want to show you why. It's such a powerful lesson, okay? So, you're reading along in chapter 13. These people got this land. And then in verse 14, we read, To the tribe of Levi alone, Moses gave no inheritance. The offerings by fire to the Lord 
God of Israel are their inheritance, as he said to them. And so, offerings of fire, this is referring to the Israelites would bring their animal offerings, their burnt offerings, not yet burnt. They bring them to the Levites. The Levites were chosen to be priests in the temple. They would offer these as burnt offerings on the altar, but they were, they were allowed to keep some of that animal meat for themselves. So, it's kind of like they were preachers working in the church, and people were bringing them the support to help for them to have food. You kind of then go on. As a matter of fact, in your life groups, I didn't give you this chapter. I wish I had. Deuteronomy 18, first section. Perfect description of what I'm talking about. I don't have time to read it or cover it, though. When you go on in verse 33, at the end of this chapter, you see the same thing again. Verse 32, actually. These are the inheritances that Moses distributed in the plains of Moab beyond the Jordan east of Jericho. This is everybody in the land they got. But to the tribe of Levi, Moses gave no inheritance. The Lord God of Israel is their inheritance, just as he said to them. Then you go in chapter 14, verses 3 and 4, it says, To the Levites, he gave no inheritance among them. No portion was given. Portion, inheritance, same thing, okay? That's what we're talking about. He gave no portion to the Israelites in the land, but only cities to dwell in with their pasture lands for their livestock and their substances. And their, and their substance. Chapter 18 and verse 7, the same thing again. The Levites have no portion among you, for the priesthood of the Lord is their heritage. And so, the word, the word portion, this is basically just talk about this, they didn't get an inheritance. And so, here we see they didn't get any land at all, not on the map anymore. But they were allowed to live in cities, but those cities were not on their land. They were living on someone else's land. And the offerings that were brought to, the, at this time, the tabernacle, that was, the, that was a way of, of supporting the priests, the Levites. That's basically the preachers back then. They were the teachers of the law. They were the workers in the tabernacle, supported by the offerings that were brought by the tribes of Israel. This is not new in Joshua. If you've been reading up to then, you read Deuteronomy 18, you've got a, did I say 18? Yeah, they've got a perfect explanation of that. But on the screen, you see an explanation of this in chapter 10 and verses 8 through 9, where it says, At that time, the Lord set apart the tribe of Levi to carry the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, to stand before the Lord, to minister. And they're the ministers, you see that. And to bless in his name to this day. Therefore, Levi has no portion or inheritance with his brothers. The Lord is his inheritance as the Lord your God said to him. These were instructions God gave through Moses. So, while all that sounds really nice and very spiritual, the Lord is their inheritance, isn't that great? The Lord is their portion in another sense that sounds like a raw deal so just imagine you've got 11 brothers and sisters and your mom and dad have died and so now the executor of your parents will is being read and everybody's getting what they have inherited so one gets this, gets the car one of the nice cars another one gets mom and dad's house someone else gets the boat Someone else gets some of the extra property that mom and dad have. Someone else gets that nice vacation cottage. Another one of the children, one of your siblings gets jewelry. Another one gets the family business. Another one gets the stocks that the parents owned. But when they come to you, you are told, and you, listen, you get God. God is your inheritance. He is your portion. And maybe I'm the only shallow, unspiritual person here. But I would be sitting there thinking, seriously? That's what I get? 
God as my inheritance? Okay, that sounds really spiritual, but I'd be all right with some land. What about a car? Could we at least share the vacation cottage? Could I get a little bit of those stocks? I, I, I think I would have felt, maybe that's just really secular guy here, you know. I would have felt a bit cheated by this. So this is where maybe you're not feeling that, but I am because I'm, this is personal to me. I'm reading my story. I'm finding myself identifying with the Levites. As you see, my profession is a supported preacher. I live off the donations that are brought to our church gathering. But sometimes that makes me feel a little bit insecure. That's what I was reading in this when I was studying in Joshua. And there are times when I look around and I think to myself, man, I should have gotten a job like that. Or I should have gotten a job like that. Because I see people with jobs that they worked there for 20 years, 30 years, or 40 years. And now they got this great pension that accompanies it. And I'm thinking, I should have done that. Because there's no pension program in the Church of Christ. So I don't want you to think that I'm trying to make you feel bad that you have a pension. Nor I want you to feel bad for me. God has taken good care of me. And I knew what I was signing up for. But it made me think about my security. There are times when I look at what I have saved and invested over the years. And I wonder, is this going to be enough? And I'm not the only one that does that, right? Is this going to last? And then I read about social security. And I'm not feeling security. And I, and I really, when I was a missionary in the, in, in the Czech Republic, I was really feeling this because as foreigners living in a foreign land, we weren't allowed to buy property. We never lived in a place that was our own. We always lived in somebody's house and we paid Mr. Kukta a certain amount of money and he was taking that money and he paid off the equity of his home and then he was taking the money that we were paying him and he went out and bought another house and he was remodeling that so he could rent from another sucker like me and he was building up and establishing his own life and I'm thinking I should be doing that I want my own house I don't want to live in somebody else's house and I would say to myself here's what I would say to myself with yes but Eddie you're building your heavenly home yeah but still, I hear of someone that has two to three hundred acres of land, and I feel jealous and envious. And the Bible has something to say about that, and it's not good. So I guess this is confession at this point. And I do stand to receive an inheritance from my dad. That's out there, and that involves land. But dad, how sure am I of that? He's watching. How do I know that dad is not going to meet some 25-year-old girl and this is all going to be gone? Are you listening, dad? <laughs> Here's the questions. Is that what I'm counting on? 
Am I content? Here's my questions for me. And I got a feeling that you feel these too. Am I content with God as my portion, as my inheritance? Is God enough? Do I trust him? Do I find my security in him and in him alone or in other things? That's what it was bringing me to ask. And then here's what happened. All of a sudden as I'm reading through Joshua, I don't know if God said, yeah, Eddie, I need you to see this and think about this added to that. But I was reminded in chapter 12 of of the story of Joshua and it is this list after the battles are over of these, go ahead, let's go to the map slide now, of these 31 kings who used to live here and they all had their little kingdoms with walls around. They had their own place. They had what I want. And here in Joshua, just like that, it's gone. They lost it all. And now, now the Israelites, they have the land. For how long? Do you know the history? Some years later, from the northeast, the Assyrians moved into the northern kingdom and they destroyed, they invaded the land and anybody that survived that invasion got taken away. Those ten tribes lost everything, never again to be regained. They had it and they didn't. Forget about the Levites. Everybody lost, except for the two tribes in southern Israel, which are Judah and Simeon. But then we know the story. Some years later, Babylon from the east invades southern Israel, Judah, and destroys them completely. Any other survivors except the poorest of the poor are taken away. They're in Babylon. They've lost everything. They're living in other people's, um, other people's land. And sure, they returned. But when they returned, it was never, ever again their place. They were always living in another kingdom ruled by someone else. And so if, if you can see it or if you can touch it you can be sure of this you will one day lose it. That's the story. No matter what it is, no matter how much it is. When I saw that in the story, I began to realize, oh, wait a minute. I'm kind of starting to like this inheritance of the Levites. After all, there's an advantage of having God as my inheritance. And I finally started understanding what it means when we say God is my portion. It's kind of embarrassing, but I've never really understood that until I started unpacking this in this particular study. You know, we sing God is my portion. We sing a lot of these spiritual things with spiritual words. We're not sure what they mean, but we sing them because they sound so spiritual. And that was one of them for me. Oh, God is my portion. I'm not sure what that means. It says it all about the Bible. And all of a sudden, I'm starting to understand it. Listen to these amazing verses. Psalm 16 verse 5 reads, Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. You alone, nothing else. My security fully in you. Psalm 142 verse 5, if you read the whole chapter, you would feel the, uh, the heavy emotion of that chapter. 
I cry to you, O Lord. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. You are my refuge. You're, you're that nest egg. You're what I fall back on. You're that security net. When all else is gone, you are my refuge in the land of the living. In the land of the living that where everything is here today and gone tomorrow, I have something in you. And then Psalm 73 and verse 26. My flesh and heart may fail. It's like the one thing I can be certain of is my body and its health and its strength. And he's saying, no, you can't. Not even that. My flesh and my heart may fail. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And so, you see this in the New Testament. Except they don't use the word portion. They use the word inheritance. Search inheritance in the New Testament. Heirs or inheritance. It's all over the place. You do that or do that in your life groups. I've given you some verses to consider. But I'll just sum it all up. That in Christ, Peter says in 1 Peter 1, 3 through 4, that we have an inheritance. We have a portion, you could say, that can never perish, spoil, or fade. And you remember I've been telling you, Joshua is not like self-contained, all-by-itself story. It's, it's in the bigger picture, pointing to Jesus. And this story about the Levites is doing that. The portion and the inheritance of the Levites is all pointing to the children of God, followers of Jesus, being heirs of Christ with an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Two weeks ago, we sent out a care mail that told you about the death of our oldest East Side member, David Hurwitz. He died at the age of 96. Earlier in April, his wife of 75 years, same year, she also died. David grew up in a very, very poor home of Jewish immigrants. His mother from an area of Russia, and his father from Ukraine, they met in the States, married. David grew up in Pipestone, Minnesota. Kids, they're taking notes. Listen carefully. I'm giving some answers right now. You're writing them down. David was in the army in World War II. And he met and married Ilsa in Germany. She was from Czechoslovakia. That's how I'm connected with him. But the Czechoslovaks were kicked out, so many of them from Czechoslovakia, and she became a refugee in, in Germany. And David saw her at a bus stop, and he said to his fellow soldiers, I'm going to marry that girl. And he was, he got, David always got what he wanted, and he married Ilsa. He took her home. And listen, there's a book David actually asked me to write. I've got so many stories about these tidbits, I'm telling you. He brought her home on a ship to America, and they had pretty much nothing except his small military pay. He served in the army for many years, and then he served in the Air Force for many years. And through years and years of saving up and saving up and saving up and having made their way to Colorado, they finally got their own place. In Denver, Colorado. Just uh, I, Specifically, it was in Aurora, if, if I remember correctly. Had their own place finally. Even in the front of their store, store there, they opened up their own, their own business. Ilsa's imported imports from Europe. They sold European imports. Through their involvement of, in a Christian ministry, both of them 
were baptized into Christ. They eventually made their way and moved to Colorado Springs. They came looking for a church home and they showed up here. And somebody said, Eddie, there's a woman from Czechoslovakia here. And so we were friends at that point for life. Actually, literally. They had a really nice home in, in Stetson Hills. Fully paid for with their life savings. You can see in this picture of them in their older years. This is their home in Stetson Hills. This is some of their belongings in the back. They were part of their lives for so many years. They didn't have any children. And so no close family really at all to care for them. And so they became my and another guy named Michael. They basically, Michael and I have been their sons for, for many years now. Ilsa fell and broke her leg, and so she had to be moved into a nursing, uh, to a rehab facility, and they realized she began to dwindle. You know, sometimes when a person falls, it's the beginning of the fall, it was for her, and so she was put into a nursing home. And so David was battling, do I move in with her, or do I keep my home? Do I move in with her, or do I keep my home? And finally he realized he needed to be with his wife. But he said, Eddie, I don't want to sell my home and move into somebody else's place and pay rent. I've worked all my life for this. So he sold it. And then he had to downsize. Getting rid of things that were meaningful to them. But there's just no room where he and Ilsa are going to live. And as he moved into the nursing home, if you're familiar with the prices of nursing homes... Man, they're expensive. And so every month as he was paying for him and Ilsa to live there, it was just whittling down, whittling down, whittling down their complete life savings. Ilsa died in April. And so Michael and I went in and we got all of her personal belongings and we um, took care of them. We took them out of the room and dispersed them. And then David, who was, was strong in body and mind until the day he died, died when he was... 96, so it was about a week and a half, two weeks ago. And so Michael and I went into his room this past week and we cleaned out the remainder of his personal belongings. And with the exception of a bed and a recliner, everything that represented his life and his belongings could fit in the back of my van. You've seen my van. Take the seats out. It was all in there. And that was really weird for me. It was surreal to be driving around for a couple of days because I could figure out what to do with this stuff. That everything that is a part of their life that they had saved up for and that they had bought and cherished was in the back of my van and I was looking for places to get rid of it. I finally donated out those things. Some of them went to South Dakota to the reservation. And I do have one plastic container of their personal belongings that has some family pictures that go back 75 to 80 years. At a service on November 20th at 11 a.m. at Pikes Peak National Cemetery, we're going to inter David's cremains right there next to his wife, Ilsa. It's either going to be this week or next week. I or Michael will go and pick up David's ashes. You ever carried somebody's ashes? I have, and it's weird. Everything about this man in his life, <laughs> it's like it's in this box that is so small. And this 
story of this couple that could be Man, we could write a book about it. We could, we could make a movie about it. This love story that began in Germany in 1947. It's over. That's it. That's all. No. No. If David could speak, his words would be that of the psalmist. My heart, my flesh, and my heart may fail. His flesh and his heart failed. My flesh and my heart may fail. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Oh, this is so real. Because David and Elsa placed their life and their faith as followers of Jesus, they, all that they have, though it's gone, they have that which is most important. An inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, that is laid up for, spoil or fade, that is laid up for them in heaven. The Lord is my portion. What was the sermon about today? That's it. The Lord is my portion. And therefore, regardless of what happens to whatever I have, regardless of what happens to my savings, to whatever I may inherit, to my social security, to my car, to my house, whatever may even happen to my body, I have a fearless security in Christ, in Christ alone. And that is enough. Because you see, if I can touch it, or if I can see it, one day I'm going to lose it. The Lord is my portion forever. Church, that is the truth. That should guide how we live our lives. It should guide how we establish our priorities. And it should guide the decisions we make from day to day. Let's stand and pray together. So in, in the quietness of prayer and with the help of the Holy Spirit to, I guess I might say, convict us and speak to us, I'm going to ask the Spirit to help us in personally answering these questions. As you look to your future, in what do you place your security? What are you counting on? What are you trusting in? Have you, like David and Ilsa, given your life to Christ in baptism to, to be a follower of His, a child of His, an heir of God with a promised eternal inheritance? As you look at your life, does it reflect in truth that you're storing up as Jesus teaches us in the Sermon on the Mount? Does your life reflect the truth that you're storing up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal? Or does your life and do your priorities and the focus of your life reflect that you're storing up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal? Do you live with a fearless security? Is the Lord 
your portion. So as we offer this song in closing to God, this prayer, I want to encourage you that if you've come this morning insecure and struggling and hurting with whatever need you have, this is an opportunity for us to reach out to one another and to, to get out of our chairs and to pray together. I encourage our shepherds to, to make themselves available. But if you know someone that needs your prayers, your hug, I would, let's just spend this time now praying together and offering this song. Hey, I'm Eddie White, the Senior Minister for the Eastside Church of Christ. Sure want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I hope today's message was indeed a blessing to you. I'd like to invite you to browse our website at eastsidesprings.com to get more information or to contact us. And as always, we indeed welcome you to join us for our worship service in Colorado Springs as we seek to live out Jesus' mission of making disciples of all nations.